Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This episode is proudly sponsored by Integrity Life. If the last few years have taught us anything, it's that life is unpredictable, which is why you need to work with a partner that's flexible and loves to collaborate, one that will personalize the claims experience for your clients, one with a balanced approach to underwriting, and one with a competitive and sustainable pricing. Integrity, your partner for life. If you want to learn more about how Integrity is your partner for life, head to integritylife.com.au forward slash xy. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the XY Advisor podcast. Uh, my name is Fraser Jack, and I'm sitting here with uh, somebody who uh, I've been working with a little bit on producing their own podcast. Welcome, Joe. Hey, Fraser. How are you doing? Very well, mate. Very well. Uh, now, good to chat to you on uh, another episode of a podcast. Tell us, uh, do you want to tell the listeners um, a quick overview of you? Sorry, a quick overview of? Of you and your business. Oh, me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You. You're the guest. Do you want the personal or do you want the business or do you want everything? Better both. Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a 39-year-old who is uh, going through a midlife breakthrough um, in a number of levels, um, working it out, working out business, uh, working out uh, music, uh, working out podcasts, um, enjoying the creative side of, of my life more than I ever have and... Um, Enjoying, enjoying the sort of synthesis between the business and the creative side that I've kind of left dormant for quite some time. So, you know, I have a, an independent financial planning business. Um, I've been running with my brother, James, for uh, many years. Um, well, since I really started, to be honest, I've had, I had a few jobs in, in um, uh, working in financial planning uh, for a short period after getting out of uni, but really then jumped into a family-run business that was more of a kind of I would say a, 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 a little small practice at the time that my father was sort of integrating with his tax. Um, and so, you know, James and I came in and really tried to build it up into a what we would call a fully fledged independent financial planning business. So, um, yeah, that, that, at this, that's where I'm at. Fantastic. Now, I, I love the comment on midlife breakthrough. Brilliant wording, by the way. Thank you for that. And what I'll do is um, we'll, we'll come back to the business side of it because of some really interesting as- aspects that you sort of mentioned. But um, just yourself, uh, coming into this business, um, as you mentioned, you're quite a creative person uh, and sometimes you come up against quite, you know, structured and formal and non-creative environment in financial services. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us about that balance. Yeah, sometimes I kind of question whether or not it's the it's it's in my own head or whether it is the actual financial planning industry that kind of creates a feeling that I need to present myself or has created a feeling that I needed to present myself in a certain way um, in the past with my clients, with other financial planners. Um, and I suppose it starts at a point where as a young man, you know, um, in your 20s, talking to retirees about money, uh, there's an element of I need to, I suppose, pretend that I'm older than I am and I'm wiser than I am and I'm more experienced than I am. Um, and that, and that, that is, in, in a way, it's a, there's a lack of authenticity in that. Um, and that, in the early days, I struggled with a little bit. 
had great clients though. I think they could see through that. And I, I, I imagine they could see that there's a hardworking man there that's trying his best um, and that he'll get, he'll get more experience as it goes along and, and we're, we're comfortable to support him. So, you know, I, I think I still, to be honest, go out to these financial planning conferences and at times I feel that there's this kind of um, uptight stiffness that goes on. It's probably less now than it has been in the past. Um, I feel like it's more collegiate than it used to be where it, in the past it maybe felt a little bit more competitive, like we're kind of competing against each other. But uh, yeah, I think there's room for different personalities in financial planning. And if you are creative, um, as I definitely am, um, there's certainly roles within the financial planning industry that allows you to um, benefit benefit your business, benefit your clients. So I've learned that anyway, and I think I wouldn't have survived if I hadn't learned that. So yeah, now now when we say creative, I mean you do. Uh, you're a musician. You you sing and and play guitar instruments. Uh, is that is that is that how we would we'd, we'd uh, describe it? Uh, yeah, we'd probably describe that that way. I'd, I'd say I was musical from a very young age. I had an innate love for music. Um, I was never diligent with it, and I never saw it as a kind of career. I think in my family it was very academic, and so um, I wish I probably. In some ways, you don't have regrets, but I wish in some ways I took it more seriously when I was younger. I used to play a bit of piano, being I was in choir and um, those types of things, but I was also very shy of it. Um, so, you know, as as I matured and got older and realised that, geez, I've, the balance in my life is not there and I'm not entirely happy with the way I've kind of created my routines, maybe I need to get back into this music thing and get a little bit back of myself, like... Maybe I, I maybe I need that, and so about I'd say about six or seven years ago, I picked up an acoustic guitar and started YouTubing. Then ended up with a guitar teacher. Then ended up with two lessons. Then ended up with three lessons a week. Um, then started playing open mic nights. Um, then started creating my own music, and here we are right now. I I I'm I'm basically putting together a four track EP that I want to put on Spotify very shortly. Um, which is all my original music um, and hundreds of hours um, that I've, I've, I've spent on it and creative passion. And that, believe it or not, I know this is going to sound strange, but by being creative and doing those things and getting into that, I felt more well-rounded and I felt more authentic in front of my clients and less sort of uptight. And it allows me to have more engaging conversations with them about their hobbies and their passions as well. And um, and it's probably the reason why the podcast has come up for me as well, that I've actually done this music because it's kind of a fusion between both worlds, which yeah. is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and, and, and what a midlife breakthrough it's coming along as, um, tell us how, uh, this, um, this has, it's not just music and, and, and things that you've done with your breakthrough. There's been you know, the health aspects and some of those sort of things as well, the way, you know, the, you've done a lot of work on the way you eat and the way you sleep and the way you, you know, your health aspects. Yeah. What, what have uh, you done there? Well, I suppose so that listeners don't think I'm a bit of a psycho. Um, I think we'll start with the fact that the reason that I've done that is, um, you know, uh, my late father had some health health issues um, in, in the past, you know, cancer, and it was a 10-year battle with that. And that was, as a young man watching him go through that, that was a, a very challenging thing to see. Um, I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, what's it all for? What's all the hard work for if you're not going to be around to actually see it? And it's funny, these things just inform your path, inform your life. And I almost by compulsion would start reading certain health books and absorbing information. Like I have a pretty terrible memory in some in, in some respects for certain things. 
But I'll tell you what, my memory for health science stuff was was extraordinary. And it's, it's amazing what happens when you um, have something like that happen and you press the record button. Like you just, you just kind of remember. So, uh, you know, watching dad go through that and then also observing the business um, owners that I work with. Um, so we work with family um, business owners and, you know, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they look really overworked and they look pretty stressed and, and sometimes really unhealthy. And 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 from looking at that and seeing all of that, I, I've, I've developed these kind of, I suppose, rituals in my own life that I find really, really important and fundamental because you, you're not successful unless you're able to have a well-rounded, you don't even have the longevity in the financial planning industry, I think. I think the financial planning um, industry is when you're talking about people's money all the time and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, responsibility and stress. How do you have the longevity as a young person if you're not looking at looking after yourself? So I've acknowledged that. And uh, sorry, that was a long-winded way, Fraser, of kind of giving you the background as to why. Should I stop now? No, no, no. What I, what I want to do is go a little bit deeper into these rituals because, um, you know, you, you yeah. go through these rituals. I actually think they're really helpful for people who are thinking about this as well because obviously there's... You know, 2020 has been a pretty tough year and uh, a lot of people from both a mentally mental health um, point of view as well as all the other um, changes that are going on within the profession. But tell us about your rituals and, and how they help you. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll start with the sleep rituals. Um, I read a book called Why We Sleep by Dr. Matthew Walker. He's, an, he's a gun, superstar in sleep. Basically, a few things that I've no, I note now is there's no we shouldn't be working ourselves to the bone and then actually sleeping six-hour days. We need at least between seven to nine hours, and there's a number of reasons for that. One of the most important reasons for it is just to make sure that we go through the right sleep cycles. We need the non-REM sleep, and we need the REM sleep for different reasons. So, you know, um, the non-REM sleep is really about consolidating the memories that you've actually created during the day. And um, if you've got an impairment in your sleep, you've got an impairment in being able to learn, really. And then your REM sleep and your dream sleep is really about emotion regulation and really making sure that you are able to read people's body language. You're able to um, deal with the emotions and the stress of the day because you've had that actually important REM sleep. There's so different phases of sleep have different um, impacts on us. So, um, and the, the other things that I've noted as well is that I was a major coffee drinker and oh, you can probably already appreciate that I'm reasonably high energy. And so that would accelerate that, obviously. And um, what's interesting about coffee is that if you have any of it in your brain when you sleep, it impairs your non-REM sleep. And again, when you think about what we need to do and function as, as advisors, just we need to be able to learn and adapt and it, you know. And so, having coffee is problematic. Um, so I've actually, I basically drink coffee at about eight a.m. because that ensures that. At 8 p.m., I've only got a quarter of a cup of coffee in my brain left, so it's dissipating. Um, so there's little weird things that I do, which I don't think is weird, but I kind of say it's weird because probably other people look and go, well, he's a bit extreme. But, um, yeah, I do that. I, I um, have integrated, um, like, I've, I love exercise. Exercise has always been part of my uh, routine. But what's interesting is I'm trying to create win-wins. So being on this kind of, like, mindfulness sort of thing, um, this mindfulness journey, and and, and I – and I've incorporated walking in the park with the mindfulness. So you've got the nature, which is scientifically proven to actually reduce levels of stress, cortisol, all of those types of things. Um, I'm getting my exercise in and I've seen profound benefits. So again, since January, I've been doing about two hours a day, breaking that up. And I've seen profound benefits in terms of my... 
I suppose my calmness, my tranquility, my ability to process information, not get stressed, um, make decisions, all of those things. And, you know, it's all relative, right? So I never had a major problem with those things before, but I can see a clear difference in it. So it's not kooky at all. And, you know, the evidence is supported. Um, I mean, the the outcomes are supported by evidence and, and um, I've, I've read a lot about it and um, mindfulness is something that I shouldn't think is that we haven't heard about at least. Uh, yeah, it's definitely been amazing for me. So you schedule that time into your day and then yeah. you go for a walk, you, you know, you, you appreciate your surroundings and you're mindful about um, the decisions you're making or the, the, the space you're in right now, or is it, is it like a grounding around almost the meditation It's just thinking about the now rather than thinking about future and past? Yeah, it's, it is about that busy mind that we all have, you know, which is either planning planning something that is almost unplannable or, or, you know, reminiscing or kind of, I suppose, ruminating is the word on something that is not going to assist you. Um, there's a, like, I've always been a, dra- a daydreamer from a young age. I got in trouble in school, uh, supposedly not listening in class. The reality was I was doing stuff, but it was in my own brain. Um, and there are, there are beautiful, um, amazing um, outcomes that come from that, the daydreaming. It's, it's an, a wonderful thing for creativity. But there is a point where that daydreaming is more of a sort of negative rumination and you need to check yourself on that. And um, by having the mindfulness there and the practice of bringing yourself back to the present, if you're doing that outside of work, then all of a sudden you find whilst you're in a meeting with a client and you start ruminating on something you said five minutes ago, you can check yourself quickly and say, oops, my body's feeling tense here. I just need to relax. It's okay. I'm in a podcast with Fraser and he's smiling at me and it's all good. And so I think these are the differences that I observe that are happening now through, I call it a midlife breakthrough, Fraser, because my my brothers keep telling me I'm midlife to just push me as far as they can. Um, they've been doing that since I've been about 30. Um, so um, yeah, we'll call it midlife. I feel like I've still got a year or something before midlife, but you know, it is what it is. Hey, who's counting? Yeah. Uh, so, so those are a couple of the routines: the sleep and yeah. uh, and uh, you know your your exercise and your mindfulness. Um, any others? Yeah, so there there are um, there there is um, breathing through the nose. Uh, I read a book called ja- um, Breathe by James Nestor, and um, the the basics of it are that um, we're habitual br- um, mouth breathers uh, as as human beings, and 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 that's not a healthy that's not a healthy way of actually um, of being. Um, by breathing through the nose, it assists in a number of different ways. It does again reduce stress and cortisol. Um, um, levels and um, also is a filtering process. The nose is kind of a filtering process where the mouth is not. Um, and so there's, there's, there's sometimes, things. Sometimes um, my mouth has no filter either. No, neither does mine. <laughs> but it's getting better with the mindfulness, I might, I might add. Yeah. Actually, you know, I used to say like I, I say something and then I'll think about it later. I, I'm a little bit more discerning now, again, with that uh, side of things. But um, also uh, just from a business point of view, we're just authentic. Like we, we, James and I have just gone, well, thank God in a way um, we've got some benefits out of the COVID situation, which was a messy, obviously still is a messy situation, but you know, we've reflected on things and like many other firms, this is not groundbreaking or anything, but you know, we we've said, well, let's, let's do something a bit different here. So for us different um, let's, let's, let's work two days from home and three days from the office. And let's call that 
um, are for good for now, um, unless we decide to change things later. But at this point in time, we're really comfortable with that with that sort of mix. Um, it's been brilliant. I feel like it breaks up the monotony of the week. I feel like we can absolutely do it with our clients. We, for clients that want to see us face to face, we still do that. Um, and it's a, it's given us opportunities, um, you know, James to support his family at times as well, where he's got three under three. And for me, um, I'm actually um, looking to um, go to the beach, whether that's temporary or um, whether that's more full time. I'm not sure yet, but I'm going to give it a trial where I'm going to go to the beach and work from there um, because I can now. And um, how amazing is that, uh, Fraser? How amazing is it? I mean, you know, I, I can I can mix the beach walks um, during lunchtime with hard work. Um, and I think, again, comes back to prior, maybe, you know, five, six years ago, I sort of say to clients, look, I've got the energy and I've got the motivation. And I kind of did, but I had it because I was kind of super young and super energetic but if you if I kept on going the way I was now where I am, I'd probably look at things and think, well, geez, can I do this for another 10 years? Well, now I can say categorically the way I've set things up, uh, I feel like I can just keep going. Why retire? Just change the way you do it. Um, I love what I do. So yeah. bloody awesome. Yeah, I, I, I like the way you talked about the COVID opportunity as well there. And, you know, the uh, I think Sam Cawthorn used to say, don't bounce back, bounce forward. And um, you know, the, the new normal sort of thing that's coming up rather than going back to the way things used to be. Uh, I like that. Now, let's talk about the business. You, uh, as you mentioned before, it's a family business. You came into it, your, um, uh, your dad was, you know, he started the business in the early 90s. Uh, talk to us about that, how that, um, you know, came about uh, and then the financial planning piece and how you and your brother got involved in the family business. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll try not to be too long winded, although I already have been. So we'll, we'll try. Um, we, so it is a long winded story, but basically family, uh, the family's always had financial planning in the blood, really. Uh, dad was an academic at, uh, RMIT university. In fact, some, some of the listeners might've actually gone through his course, which was the BBS financial planning, uh, degree at RMIT with a number of other great, uh, lecturers that we went through. And, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I came out of school to be truthful. I thought it would be psychology maybe, or some sort of like um, English course, or I, 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 don't, I really didn't know. And so in having a conversation with dad, he was quite passionate about financial planning. He said, this is the new thing, Joe, um, up to you, do as you please. But I'm thinking this will be really good for you. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just go ahead with that then. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I want to do really. Um, and yeah, so I kind of went through it and I really questioned whether I loved it. And I realized that I questioned whether I loved it because I didn't frame it right in my mind. Like I thought that my responsibility was to only learn technical and to sit behind a desk all day long, um, churning out financial plan after financial plan. When in fact, luckily enough, through working uh, with an amazing business partner and brother, James, um, we were able to manufacture a sort of uh, a, a symbiotic relationship, which allows me to do the things that I feel are uh, complementary to my skill sets and also allows James, God love him, to do the things that he loves to do um, innately. And I think James is probably just a little bit more resilient than I am in some aspects with respect to, oh, Joe, we just got to do that. That's just got to be done. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so I think I'm maybe just a bit more aware of what draws my energy out and what gives me energy. So 
Yeah, basically the story is that dad had this, you know, uh, small group of clients and I came in on half a wage after having some experiences overseas and working with various financial planning, uh, great firms, um, and basically jumped in head first, having really no idea, uh, no, ex- no real life experience, but high on the technical and then realizing that, geez, I really need to back down on the technical when I'm talking to clients and actually just talk to them about their lives a little bit more. And I think that's been my evolution. And so the business has evolved from being that small group of clients to being, I would say, still a small boutique firm, but very, very much focused on a niche. Um, you know, we, we made the decision in 2016 to go the independent route. And again, I don't want to sound preachy here, um, Fraser. I, I, I am passionate about the independence because um, that's what I'm passionate about. I don't expect everybody would be as, as passionate um, and, and everyone has different circumstances, I suppose. But yeah, I, I felt that that was the only way for me to have longevity in the industry. I felt that, you know, um, can I take it? Can I yeah, come back on. to the independent part? Because I do want to uh, dive into that. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to um, go through that journey of you working for your dad um, yeah. with your brother, uh, yeah. then transitioning to owners of the business office when, you know, tragedy struck you, your dad. Yep. Uh, so, oh, well, yes. I mean, uh, reality of it was that, um, you know, back in about uh, 2000 and I'm going to say 2004, uh, I, I got in there. Dad was there. Um, he was assisting me as a mentor. I did a large part of the work for him because he was unwell. Again, terminal cancer is a very, very challenging thing to keep up your exertion, particularly when dad con- continued to work in teaching uh, at university level. He was a bit of a workaholic and there's elements of that that would have added to his life and there's elements of it, I think, that would have probably taken a little bit from him as well. Um, but, but, you know, he loved it. He, it brought meaning to him. So, you know, in some ways I don't think he had much of a, much of a choice. Like he just wanted to keep working. So I took over the kind of financial planning side of it, you know, the clients and and so on. And then James followed suit two years later after working with, um, the money managers at the time, which is Kevin Bailey, which is now the Shadforth group. And, you know, um, so he came in James to help me out and assist me. And then we went on this journey, right? So the journey was this. We're just trying to work it out as young guys, right? So we're in our 20s and we've got no idea about business. So we're financial planners who think we own a business and we kind of do, but reality is we're not business people. And my dad really wasn't a business person. He was more of a, again, academic and a financial planner, all that sort of stuff. So came a point where, you know, and I'll just, just, just to address your question, Fraser, as well, like um, dad passed in 2008 and I reckon a fair chunk of between 2000 and say, you know, four or five and 2008, dad was a security blanket, was a mentor, was someone who was helping me, pushing me, but not actually exerting. So I kind of was doing a lot of it myself. And when he um, passed, the thing was, uh, you know, whether I was doing the work or not, it was, it was, it was traumatic in a sense, like I, I felt really overwhelmed by the responsibility being the eldest son and um, being responsible for all these clients and questioning whether or not I even wanted to be in the industry. At that point in time, I was just like, this, this, this industry is challenging for me. Um, I'm not entirely sure who I am, but I know I'm not this kind of sit in a, in, a, in, a, in a chair all day and not be able to crack a joke. Um, I'm not that person. I kind of had that insight at that um, age, but I shoved it all down and I had this kind of brewing anxiety that would sit in me. And um, the more you just shut all of that stuff down and not attend to it, 
the worse it can't becomes for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so that to me is, uh, gives me, makes me feel like you had all this res- responsibility to continue the business. Uh, you've got your brother in there and I'm, mm. I've got this image of, you know, brothers in arms just trying to work this out going, right. How are we going to make this work? Um, let's yeah. just, we have to make it work for the, for the legacy uh, of the family, the legacy of the business. Is that sort of how it was for you? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this like many financial planners who are trying to make it work on their own. They're, they're looking at, you know, what other financial planners are making out in the industry. And you're going, well, yeah, I've got this business, but I'm not making what I could out there. And so is it worth it? Am I enjoying it 100%? Yes, I love my clients. Yes, I love the work, but there's also these compliance obligations on you. There's these stresses that are occurring and and you're kind of always questioning like, you know, is there going to be a situation where I make a mistake and that mistake is, you know, not intentional that ends up, you know, costing your livelihood or, you know, your, your name, all those things. Like it, it's hard to sleep at night sometimes, um, particularly back then being a financial planner. So, um, you know, that was a challenge, Fraser. And I think to be honest, um, I, I, I would be surprised if other financial planners listening to this wouldn't have felt something similar along the journey. It's it's one of the t- and again I it's one of the best professions. You don't get all this responsibility and meaning without some some difficulty and challenge. Like you just don't. But it is challenging. So yeah. yeah. Now tell me about your brotherly relationship because uh, you you've you know it's obviously working for you. I I personally couldn't imagine. Uh, it being easy for me, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, you've got a relationship with your brother, um, you know, thick and thin uh, arguments, telling each other, growing up together, you know, great times. Um, talk to me about how that works with, with your brother and how that works in a business sense. Um, <laughs> it's like uh, we're lucky uh, is the first point. We are grateful to our, our parents for bringing us up in a certain way that we were so close, but at the same time, we acknowledge that even when parents try their best to bring up, their kids in a certain way. Sometimes there's just differences and it's challenging to overcome. And um, so, so again, I think we're lucky, um, but there is this almost indescribable symbiosis between James and I, where we just know what the other is prepared to do and what the other isn't prepared to do. We um, James to make it practical for the, 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 the listeners it's it, James is um, a very consistent micro analytical detailed person who gets energy from research from developing relationships with individuals um he finds the process of you know presentations and communications and 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 sort of looking at things that are more macro view more challenging than i do um and i find it exhausting to do what he does in fact i would say that I would not um, be, I wouldn't have been doing this if I did what James did. And, 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 and I'd say James feels very much the same way. Um, but, but the interesting part of it is that when we have discussions about what our future direction is and, you know, what steps we need to take, there's a meeting of the minds. There's a value. There's a, there's a, there's a consistent, there's values there that are, that are, that are very well-defined and, and, and actually think, that's what my mum and, and dad really um, got right in terms of not necessarily verbalizing them, but by virtue of actions, I was able to see very clearly what was what were the behaviors required 
of a professional and what were the values that I should go towards as a, as a human. And for us, um, altruism is a big thing. We try our best to really do some meaningful work with our clients and to the biggest payback that we get is not financial. It's when they come back to us and say, you guys did a bang, bang on job. Like that was extraordinary. I now can move into this house that I didn't think I could before. That means a lot more to us as a family. Um, and I include, you know, Sandra, who's our client services manager, you know, um, she's exactly the same. We're just all on the same, um, on, on the same line of thinking with respect to that. So that's kind of a bit about, um, myself and James, but, you know, on an argument sort of front, we barely get any arguments. Uh, when we do, it's usually me, um, being snappy or agitated because something didn't happen or whatever. And then I'm like, I didn't realize. And then he's like, you know, Joe, you're a bit snappy today you've been a bit intolerable to be around. And then I'm like, you know what, James, you're a hundred percent correct. And I'm really, really sorry. Um, uh, I'm working on it, you know? So that is the argument that we have regularly. And he's a godsend because he sees through that kind of um, frustration that I might have. And it's not awful, but it's, you know, it, it, it happens on occasion being someone who's kind of passionate can also be passionate the other way. And so he's, he looks at it and he goes, mate, I'm getting a lot out of, I hope he does anyway. I'm getting a lot out of Joe. He does a lot. He cares. His heart's in the right place. I'm just going to call him out, but it's all good. So that's the worst that it ever ever comes to. And um, isn't that amazing? I think. Absolutely. You know, the whole uh, conversation around being able to call somebody out or call somebody in, as I heard of the phrase the other day, call them in, uh, is to be able to say, well, you know, you, you, you both know that you're both there, you both got each other's back, you're both there for the same reason. And, and if there's a conversation that's difficult, it's because you love each other, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, without doubt. Yeah. Yep. Now, uh, tell us about the business. Um, you do a lot of work with businesses. Um, you do some work with the legacy side, which is obviously a, you know, a, a, a thing of your past that you're bringing in. Tell us about your, your ideal client and how you work with those, you know, those, those um, target clients, those you know, niche clients of like yeah, I mean, we identified a long time ago that, that um, you know, well, not a long time ago, probably five years ago, that we want to work in an area that is complex, that is challenging, that has a lot of value and meaning. And we also reflected on the fact that as an independent advice group, and you can see all the reports out there, advice costs are rising because it's a challenging environment to give financial advice. So we knew that if we're going to work with clients, we've got to work with clients that we can really be entrenched in their lives. So who can we work with that we feel we are, um, I suppose, we can understand that we feel um, have that complexity of work. And we thought, well, we're, fam- we're a family business and we're close. Let's be working with other family businesses. Let's be um, doing the research, doing the hard work to determine what they need. Um, and so we've done a lot of research um, interviewing business owners um, to develop, you know, we've developed a, a report and a special report, white paper, whatever you call it, to determine, you know, what we think keeps up business owners at night and what we think is an ideal structure for wealth management. And we don't want a massive practice uh, of a huge numbers of clients or anything like that. We we want to work with, um, you know, in a bespoke way with these with these family focused business owners on their personal financial matters. Deal with the complexity associated with that, and, and that that might include. Um, working with them on their charitable giving solutions and, you know, working with them on uh, private ancillary funds that they're, they're running. So either giving investment advice um, or, or, or casting an independent eye over it. Um, you know, we also um, 
have a very unique way of approaching our asset allocation approach. Um, we do a liabilities-driven investment approach um, for um, for clients of a certain wealth spectrum just to get absolutely laser sharp on matching assets with certain intended liquidity events in the future. Again, it's a fixed fee for service, um, dealing with trusts, dealing with intergenerational wealth transfer. Um, one of the, the things that we do, I think, really well is actually having conversations with the next generation. I've had experience um, in teaching uh, in, at university level. So I take that experience in educating the next generation um, of our clients in, in what's happening with mum and dad, but also what they can do um, to learn about finance early. I mean, the greatest thing you can teach someone young is to make their own mistakes, you know, is it's to go out there and try themselves, but give them the principles rather than I want to work with their kids um, in some sort of like consulting role. It's, I don't think that's going to help them as much as the, more of an educational program that we put together for them. So those are the types of things that we do. I think that makes us pretty unique when you combine that with independence um, and so, again, like in this new environment, who's who's in competition with who? Like, we're not in competition with each other. We should be sharing. We should be open. We should be transparent, and we should be pumping each other up. And I think um, I think that's happening. This yes. is what your forum and your podcast is doing. Yeah, exactly. Now, thank you. I was, you know, your your story is very relatable to um, your target, you know, audience or, or your target market of who you're helping. So. Um, now let's rip the can, uh, the lid off the can, and talk about the independence because I know uh, I know it's something that uh, <laughs> you're passionate about, and uh, and you know so and but more along the lines of y- yes, you've got this thing, you came to this idea, you came to the you know scenario. Oh, I think this is where we need to head, and you then had to transition a business from obviously back when you, your dad started it. There was no other way that. They could get paid, but commissions for on, on things. So then there's the transition. So tell us about your your passion, your ideals, your values around that, and then they, let's let, then let's jump into the transition of the business. Well, I mean, the starting point is just having conversations with clients and saying to them, "Look, I've got your best interests at heart." Um, and then in you know disclosure statements or whatever, you've got these little trails going through, and you're going, "Well, I do, but this sort of structure that we're in is kind of." not entirely consistent with my word and I get that everyone else is doing it, but there's something that's sitting in my gut that makes me feel like, what's the point of this? Like let's move towards the model that we actually feel would be the future, you know? And again, like when people ask me, you know, what other advisors do you look at and do you view to see what they're doing? I mean, the answer is naively. I tend to back myself in about what I would want to do and not tend to worry too much about what others are doing. And I think that was something of the same. Like I thought, well, I kind of know that there's some out there that are independent, but they're very few. Well, this is, this is the way we've got to go down. So it's interesting, the, the journey, because you start to think about it, it starts to percolate. It starts to get you a little bit agitated and uptight. And then you kind of think and mull and mull and you get worried about it. And then you always do it about six months to a year um, after you should have, um, and and that's what happens with that's what happened to us and 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 we just said no we've we've got to we've got to do this the previous dealer in, um, that we were working with uh, a mentor of mine um, amazing group um, in all reality a lot of the things that um, we're doing now we were doing back then but it's you know in speaking to them they were like Joe on we understand where you are on your journey we understand how passionate you are we understand what your dad was all about I mean my dad did a masters in conflicted remuneration. 
back in the days, like, you know, when it was hardly spoken about, like, so it was, it's always been an issue for us as a family, like, and how could we sit there in all consciousness and, you know, you know, paying homage, homage to him, you know, like we, we, this is what we needed to do. So we did. And funnily enough, like we had to let go of revenues and we had to like, you know, explain it to our clients, change dealer, all that sort of stuff. And it was a bit of nerves associated like that with that because James and I are probably not ones that like to shift and change and, you know, so, so such just, as business too much, you know. So just but, take us back to that decision-making moment. You said it took six months to really mull it over. How did that yeah. decision then get made with the two of you? You just went, right, this is it. We've got to do it. Tell, tell us oh, about well, that I mean, the, the usual, uh, you know, before then we, 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 we developed this philosophy where it's like, we're not going to do this by ourselves. We have have people are smarter than us and better than us that we speak to regularly um, that can assist us in our journey as business people. And so we were like, okay, what other options are there? And so we just went out there and went like, what are the associations out there? Um, now we're part of the, what used to be called the independent financial advisors association. Now it's called PIFA, the profession of independent financial advisors. Um, we, you know, had comp- uh, conversations with them around what we were going to do. We also knew that, um, you know, a great advice firm, Roscoe Independent Advisory, you know, um, we knew that they'd gone down that down that path as well. And, um, you know, it was a conversation between James and I, like like usual. It's like, James, we need longevity in this industry. James, th- this obviously makes sense in all of these pros and from the pros point of view. And these are the cons. What do you think? He's like, well, this is a pretty major con, but we need to work on this. But But I can see what you're saying. So he's the analytical mind and he's like, well, he's teasing it out and he's like, this is the way we work. You know, he's teasing it out and going, oh, this is not practical, Joe. What are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? And then I'm kind of having a bit of irritation with him because I'm like, you're making, you're creating roadblocks into us moving. And then he's like, but Joe, you're just being cavalier about this. And then we're going like that with each other until we get to a point where it's like, okay, I understand your point. You understand my point. This is the pathway that we need to go down and these are the steps that we need to take. So in practical terms, it's things like, okay, well, do we sell, you know, a, a, a book of trailing commissions off so that we don't have that anymore? Do we do insurance anymore? Is that something that we want to do? So I, in my my estimation, I thought, well, insurance to me is just a whole nother game. You need to handle claims. You need to understand the definitions to the nth degree. Do we do a lot of it? No. Is it taking away from my core business? Yes. Can we outsource with somebody who does it better? Yes. Why are we doing it? Is it compromising our ability to be independent? Kind of, in a way. Um, because we, how is it easy to charge fees for in, for insurance advice? It's not that easy at the time anyway. Um, so we, we got rid of that sort of side of things. We, um, again, moved away from these kind of trailing things before a, you know, we're forced, we were forced to move away from them. And interestingly, I was sending checks for like 20 cents to some clients where I couldn't bloody rebate. And I'm not going to name the institution, but there was a particular CMA out there that they didn't have the processes to be able to rebate to clients the commissions that they were passing to me. And I thought, bloody hell, like how is this where we are, where, you know, these institutions, you know, are not allowing us the flexibility to, to, to do what we need to do. Um, and so that happened and was infuriating me for quite some time. So there were some te- teething issues around it, but it was like every 20 cent check we sent out, we're telling our clients that this is no more, this sort of crap. And again, I understand my dad was in in the 90s, early 90s, was doing this as well because it's part of the industry. It's part of what we did. But again, like if we're going to 
move forward, we've got to we've got to change. And again, it's my opinion, and I don't want to be preachy on anyone else. You do what you do, but that's what I'll do. Yeah, no, that's fine. I just want to do um, the reason I wanted to go through that is because anybody that's thinking of maybe going through that transition would be really interested in following your story as uh, as you were in Hungary at the time, going to the associations, asking those who had just you know uh, been down that path, uh, the yeah. direction. And 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 you're right, there are a lot of moving pieces to the puzzle. Um, that need to be addressed and, and just how you would address that. How long did it take, I guess, from from when you made the decision to when you were able to say you're fully independent? Oh, that's a really good question. See, if James was sitting right next to me, he'd give you the exact time in the day. Um, my my time periods are sketchy, but I would say it would be anywhere between eight months and a year that kind of took to sort of get through the process of transition. Um, look, it wasn't you know, an exorbitant, terrible process. But I would also say that because we had some amazing people, including our exiting dealer um, and uh, the the person in charge of that. Yeah, and, I, and I'll name him, Darren Borg. I mean, he's a, he's a mentor and he's a great guy and he's a friend of my father and he helped us, like he helped us a lot. You know, we were nervous about it too, you know, and I think he he was like, well, this is fine. Maybe he didn't want us anymore. Nah. He <laughs> like, he what did he want if? Of course he didn't. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, and it's been it's been great. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I was thinking a 12-month would be a realistic time frame for anybody thinking of that, um, just in, in, you know, in regards to going through all their clients and, you know, explaining why and how and, yeah, well, clients. actually, Fraser, just on that, because, you know, I think the listeners would be interested in this aspect of it. Once we decided that this was the decision that we needed to make, and then we started articulating this to our clients, almost in a way we were kind of nervous. Don't know why, really. Like, we're telling them we're independent. Why are we nervous about it? Anyway, so we were telling them we're going out on our own. We're getting our own Australian financial services license, and we we're going to be independent. And they said, look, we knew you were doing the right thing by us anyway. But encouragingly, when I see you guys and you talk about it and you're so passionate about it, I'm like, why would you guys not do it? And it gives me confidence that you guys have longevity because you're doing something that you can clearly see is something you're passionate about, is something you really you 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 feel has meaning. So those were the responses mostly um, from our clients, and and it was the same thing when we went from you know a percentage based fee retainer to a fixed fee um, thing. We did that before the independence, so we you know, and then signing off on annual agreement. So we did that well before all the legislation came out. And again, it was because I was like, what is the best thing to do? Not what they're telling us to do. Let's just do the best thing. Yeah. Which is why I think I get more frustrated with the, legis- the legislation and the compliance controls on us because we've always felt that we've had our clients back from the start. So that's what is the frustrating part of some of the like little tedious parts of the red tape that we have to go through as advisors because I understand the industry needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, fair enough. Now, mate, uh, one of the things we touched on earlier was the fact that you've started a podcast um, oh, yeah. out to yeah. your clients. Uh, congratulations for that, by the way. Uh, well, thank you very much for your help, Fraser. You're a champ. <laughs> Tell us about that experience going through that. Tell us about um, and what that uh, does for you in the business community that you work in um, and some of the feedback you've had on it. Uh, look, I think genuinely, as we're talking about it, I genuinely have feelings of joy and I'm smiling right now. You can't see it, but I'm ex- so excited by it. And, it, and, it's, and it's, it's just been another one of those win-wins, right? So I'm thinking to myself, well, we're the world's best kept secret in my humble opinion <laughs> and biased at the same time. And I'm like, well, how is it that I can actually give something back? How is it that I can 
um, do something that is consistent with my creativity, that is authentic to me, that I feel is part of what I'm relatively good at. So came up with this idea that the podcast is something I should do and then came across you and the group that, that sort of, you know, got us up and running. And um, what's interesting is where like, and this is where I talk about this sort of midlife breakthrough. I'm looking for win-wins in my life. I'm looking for my worlds to collide. So I'm doing this music, right? I'm learning about this post-production software and editing, creating music, like audio tracks and MIDI tracks and, you know, all of these different compressors and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden this podcasting idea comes up and I'm like, oh, so I've been learning this stuff and now this is coming up and this could advantage the business and advantage the business owner community. Let's fuse them. And so all of a sudden we create this podcast, which is called It's Never About Money. Why is it called It's Never About Money? Because as our listeners know, when you speak to your clients and they want to have lead a well-intentioned life, the money has to follow that. It's not the other way around. And so what I do is effectively, it's a no-brainer. I'm basically bringing forward our discovery meetings to a broader audience. So I'm actually having you know, one of a chat or an interview with these business owners um, about everything else than necessarily talking about the details of their business or, or their money. So, you know, work-life, you know, the work-life integration sort of thing, their work in charity, how they dealt with trauma, you know, what they think, how they see success, what are the key attributes in success, you know, and, and that's brought about a lot of vitality and energy for me. And in a way, I mean, I'm saying this now because I'm so energetic about it. I really don't care whether <laughs> it works from a business perspective. <laughs> I just love it. It's awesome. Had this amazing conversation with Brie Cleal. Now, it's not an amazing story to have someone lose someone that you love, like, and she's only a young woman, um, to lose her husband to brain cancer. But the amazing optimism and positivity that she kind of described is something that everyone should listen to. And, you know, we all know, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of the listeners know Sarah Hawley as well. It was previously Sarah Rygluth. And she came on and she just spoke about the inner work that she's done with similar age to really, you know, uh, transition into, into a, a new world in her life. Yeah, it was just amazing. So yeah, like that's what the podcast is all about. I'm super excited and passionate about it and my worlds are colliding. Congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, awesome soundtrack written and uh, recorded by ah. yourself, which is the uh, the other thing, uh, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, have you had any feedback from your clients around it? Because I always say to advisors, you know, start a podcast just for your clients. Don't worry about the new, you know, being the next Joe Rogan. Just start a podcast for your clients to help them. Yeah, I have actually, and um, and um, it's only been positive. I imagine not many people will be willing to give me the negatives. Like um, I've really worked on trying to, like obviously I'm being interviewed here, Fraser, so I'm allowed to kind of run my mouth. But um, <laughs> we're in my podcast, <laughs> in my podcast, um, I've got to shut up a little bit and listen. And actually, you know, I, I've, I think I've done that okay. You know, like I've really worked on that aspect of things and, you know, I've had a, a little bit of feedback around, you know, maybe put an intermission note in the middle or you may make it clear what you guys do as financial planners and all that sort of stuff. But um, I think it's been well received and uh, I'm, it's like you say, Fraser, it's just like, just start doing it and see what happens. And yeah. that's what I'm doing. So. Fantastic. Now, 2020 was a fairly difficult year, especially for um, a lot of you guys in, in Victoria. What have you got planned for 2021? How's that shaping up? Is there anything on the horizon? 
Uh, well, again, more of the same with respect to um, twenty twenty one in the business. It's it's um, the podcast. It's um, working with um, you know our niche clients, family business owners, really getting involved in advice around um, private ancillary funds, charitable giving, you know, looking at sustainable and ESG sort of investment, um, those types of things have been our kind of focus. And yeah, but from a personal standpoint, uh, uh, again, um, well, it's personal business, but, you know, having the ability to work from home and being flexible has been um, super cool as a, as a learning um, and an outcome from COVID. On a personal front, again, you know, being able to move to, you know, move out to the Mornington Peninsula uh, for me personally, um, to balance and have more balance in my life again is is fantastic. Again, releasing an EP, um, which is I again, it's I love it. I don't really care whether it's any good in a way. It's just like put it out there and um, as kind of like a timepiece of where I was at um, in my life. It's kind of like my album. Instead, I, it's not pictures. It's kind of it, my. It's music. you. It's you. It's your personality. It's your. It's everything. So I'm looking forward to it coming out, so I can um, you know claim fame to knowing a real life rock star. yeah not sure about that but yes (laughs) thank you hey joe thanks for coming on the podcast and and, uh, telling your story i think it's been super helpful for a lot of people really appreciate it no thanks fraser for having me on um very much appreciated and thanks again for helping me with my podcast um if if you weren't there i probably would have procrastinated a little more than i would have liked to so you really pushed me so thank you no worries Well, there you have it, another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. Uh, I'm Fraser Jack, and I'm here with Emily Blanche. Welcome, Emily. Hey, Fraser. How are you doing? Very well. And we thought we might give a quick shout out. Absolutely. Uh, Today, I want to give a shout out to Dan Brown. He is an advisor, an XY member who has just kicked off his five-day sales challenge on the platform. It's his way of sharing his IP, sharing his knowledge, and giving advisors a tool to build their own client-centric conversion system. So it's Dan taking all of the learnings and things he's done in his own business, packaging that up and delivering that knowledge and sharing it with other advisors. So a great, healthy dose of peer-to-peer learning at its best. Hey, massive shout out. Well done, Dan. That's super awesome that, you're, uh, that you've done that course, that you've done the challenge and really looking forward to seeing how that turns out. Uh, that, of course, is happening on this week. Uh, if you've downloaded this podcast, uh, the day of it's been released. However, if not, then, you know, you go, go over to the courses section. You can see there, that's the, that's the place to find uh, any future challenges that come up. Uh, that's over at the XY Advisor app under the courses section. And we will see you in the next episode.